And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Now, if I were to ask each one of you how you came to Christ, the stories would probably be as varied as each one of you are. We're unique individuals. We have different personalities, different backgrounds, and each of us would have a slightly different story about how we met the Savior. Now, the story of Jesus' encounter with this, with this unnamed Samaritan woman. By the way, you know when we get to heaven, we're all going to have name tags, so we'll know who everybody is. And hers is going to say, woman at the well. We'll have her name, because we know her as a woman at the well. That's all we know about her, right? Well, she comes by Jacob's well, and how she came to believe in the Savior is unique in all the Bible. We don't have another story that's like it. However, it has some common elements uh, with all who ever come to the Savior. Now, this woman moves from the beginning of her encounter with Jesus, where she seems to have no interest in spiritual things whatsoever, through kind of a gradual process to the point of believing him as the, in Him as the promised Messiah. So by studying these verses, we can help others come to salvation. And if you've never tasted the living water that Jesus is offering this woman, He still offers it today. And I hope that you see how you can have it for yourself as well. So to drink of the living water, you have to acknowledge your need uh, to God, confess your sin to God, bow before, him, bow before Him on the heart level, and believe in Jesus for who He is. Alright, let's just take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come once again just to open up Your Word and to drink from this living water. Uh, Father, we are nourished by Your Word and we understand that. And we just ask for Your Holy Spirit to be here to speak truth into our, into our hearts concerning uh, this message of what it means to uh, partake of the living water. And Father, some of this is common to all of us. So we pray that You would speak that truth so that when we leave out of here, we'd be bred and prepared to share that good news with others. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we learn really four things from this encounter. Number one, to drink from the living water or to drink the living water of salvation, you have to acknowledge your need uh, to God. Now, the woman says, give me this water there in verse 15. There, there's debate as to what her intention is in making this request. Now, I understand her response to reflect a, a sincere interest in what Jesus is offering, but she's still confused. I think that she recognizes that this unusual Jewish stranger might not be talking about something or might be talking about something more than just physical water, but she's still thinking on too literal of a plane, just like I talked about Nicodemus and, and the new birth, right? Uh, this woman is, has been looking for love, but she's failed in all of her relationships with men. She probably had a, a vague discontent with the Samaritan worship, which had not fat satisfied her spiritual thirst either. So she responds to Jesus' invitation to ask for the living water, but she's still mixed up, thinking that it also will satisfy her physical thirst. Now, this woman recognized some sort of inner need for the living water that Jesus offered, even if she didn't completely understand what that living water was. Uh, if you want to drink the living water of salvation, you have to acknowledge your need for God, even if you're not totally clear about what salvation means. It begin, begins by acknowledging that need. Being self-sufficient will not bring you to Jesus. You have to recognize that you have needs that only God can satisfy. 
Well, number two, to drink the living water of salvation, confess your sin to God. Confess your sin. In calling attention to this woman's sin of adultery, Jesus, who we know as the light of the world, he was shining brightly into the dark recesses of her heart and exposed the sin that was there. Now, Jesus shows her that uh, supernaturally, he knows all about her past and present. Now, think about if that were you. It'd be more than just a little unnerving to have a perfect stranger uncover all of your past and present sins, would it not? Well, Jesus wasn't doing it to be mean. He did it to show her that her real need was spiritual, not material. He was helping her to come to terms with the nature of the gift that he was offering. Now, J.C. Ryle, he says that no one values the physician until he feels the disease. We've been in situations like that. You're sick, but you don't know it. And all of a sudden you start hurting and you realize you're sick. Well, we call the gospel the good news because in the Greek, that's literally what gospel means, good news. And it is good news. The truth is, though, you won't recognize it as good news until you know the bad news. So before you can drink the living water of salvation, you have to acknowledge or confess to God that, yes, you are a sinner. He knows that, of course, so there's no use in trying to hide it from him. It's not going to work. But he wants you to admit it. Jesus didn't die on the cross just to give you some helpful hints hints for happier living. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. To come to him for salvation, you must realize that you are a guilty sinner. Well, number three, to drink the living water of salvation, bow before him on on the heart level. Now, Perhaps after feeling the sting of her own sin, the woman kind of changes topics to the place of proper worship. Now, the Samaritans, as I mentioned, worshipped on Mount Gerizim. This was a mountain in Samaria. That's where they built their temple, which God said do not do, but they did. Whereas the Jews, they worshipped in Jerusalem at the temple there. Now, Jesus is making a point that outward religious rituals and ceremonies, they're not at the heart of salvation. Eternal life is a matter of knowing and worshiping the living God on the heart level. Now, Jesus cuts through all the external aspects of that controversy to say that very soon, neither place will be an official place of worship. Both places will be surpassed by those who worship God truly in spirit. Prior to Christ, Judaism would have been considered a come and see religion. Ergo, the temple. Uh, it was, it was dis- prescribed by God. This is what's to be in it. This is what it, what it means. These are what the priests are to wear. It was very, very uh, ornate. And the whole focus was come and see our God. And you could join the Jews. Okay, there, there was provision for that. Uh, it was open to the Gentiles if they would become Jewish and you know, subscribe to that. But Jesus now says that there's a time coming, and he says, and now is here when you're not going to worship on this mountain, meaning Mount Gerizim, or in Jerusalem. What's happening here is is a transition out of the old covenant into the new covenant, which we will be talking a little bit about next week when we do communion. The bottom line is... The relationship and and the calling of God moved from this come and see mentality to go and tell. 
Just think about the last three verses of, of Matthew. Chapter 28, verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go. <laughs> That's the key word. Go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. So it moves from this come and see, which was the temple at Jerusalem, and Judaism, and come see our God, and learn about Him, to go and tell. And that's where we find ourselves today. We worship here because it's comfortable. When I went to Africa, there's no air conditioning. Uh, this building would be body to body, you know, for three hour services. It's, it's just, it's very different. We worship here, we recognize this as a church, but the Bible says, this isn't the church. This is the church. We are the church. And so it's no longer come and see. Okay, it's a missionary type church. Go and tell. And he's, this, this, is, this is a huge point of this passage. Church has changed, y'all. <laughs> and the way we do it is to be a go and tell. Well, number three, to drink the living water of salvation, bow before God. Um, oh, well, I'm already with it. I'm sorry, sorry. Both places, I'm, I'm got behind myself here. Both places are being surpassed uh, in that we are to now go and tell. And he is referring to that new age of the Spirit based on his finished work on the cross. The woman had talked about the worship of her fathers. You know, our fathers say. But Jesus directs her to the worship of the Father. And that suggests a personal relationship as opposed to just ritualistic ceremonies. He says we must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, by in spirit, Jesus means that, that uh, you know, a true worship must come from the depths of our being, as opposed to just going through external rituals and ceremonies. To worship God in spirit means to worship Him with complete sincerity, not just going through external, or, or, or not just outward show or profession, when our hearts are actually far from Him. You remember Isaiah is the one, God speaking through Isaiah says, you're, you're, you're li you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me, all right? That's because they were not worshiping in spirit. Well, to, wor uh, to worship God in truth means to worship Him as He's revealed Himself in His Word. If you, if you worship God as you conceive Him to be, apart from the truth of His Word, then you're worshiping an idol, a figment of your own imagination. Now, God created us in His image, and just as a way of thanks, we have created a God in our own image. This is the God we like. This is the God we want. Rarely, if never, if ever, is that the God that is revealed in Scripture. You see, we cannot know the invisible God except He has chosen to reveal Himself. And what we have is the revelation in His written Word of who God is. And Jesus Christ, the eternal Word of God, um, made flesh because is the supreme revelation of God to us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Him. To worship God in truth is to worship Him in accord with how He has revealed Himself in His Word. So to drink the living water of salvation, first acknowledge your need to God, confess your sin to Him, and then bow before Him on the heart level. And finally, number four, to drink the living water of salvation, believe in Jesus for who He is, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah of God. Verse 25 26, the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, 
And John puts in parentheses, he who is called Christ, meaning Messiah. Christ means anointed one. And that's what Messiah means, anointed one. Right? When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You see, the Samaritans believed that the coming prophet would declare all things. And Jesus, who, who concealed his identity as Messiah from the politically oriented Jews, he never came out and just says, I am the Christ. He declares openly to this Samaritan woman, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. Well, we must believe in Jesus as the Bible reveals him. He is the eternal God, the creator of all that is, who took on human flesh and died as the supreme and final sacrifice for our sins. Jesus was seeking this sinful, confused, emotionally wounded woman so that she would become one who would worship the Father in spirit and truth. You know that's going on today. He is seeking you as one who will worship him in spirit and and in truth. So to drink the living water of salvation, acknowledge your need to God, confess your sin to Him, bow down before Him on the heart level, and believe in Jesus for who He is, the only Savior, the Christ of God. That's what salvation is about. And we know that this woman eventually came to know Jesus in that way. She ran back to her village and she says, Hey y'all, y'all need to come hear this guy. He's told me everything that I have done in my life. And so many went out to meet him, and they believed because of his word. I mean, because of her word concerning Jesus. But then, after a couple days, it says many more believed, and they didn't believe because of what she said, but because they themselves had met the Savior. So that's what, that's what we're looking at this morning, is just what it means to drink of that living water. What is it that, how do we get to salvation? Now, as you may be aware, Travis Parks, uh, last August, was scheduled to go to the Czech Republic. He was going to go to uh, the city of Brno uh, through the International Mission Board to work with Stephen, who is an international missionary there from, from the IMB. He's a missionary with the IMB for a year uh, through the IMB. But, of course, COVID hit. Things went a little bit wonky uh, travel-wise. So he had trouble getting his visa. Once he got his visa, it was the wrong visa. He got a visa. It was a legal visa, but they weren't allowing that visa to come into the country. So he hasn't been able to go. About two or three weeks ago, Travis got officially accepted to the university in Brno into the master's program for cultural sociology. So he is officially a student of this university. He's still awaiting his, tra his, his student visa. Once that visa gets here, he'll be able to travel to the country. And he's going over there on his own now because the International Mission Board has canceled the program that he was going under. So he's going to be going on his own. He will still be working in the same regard. He'll be a full-time student there. What's the name of the university? Yeah, I couldn't hear you. Something, something university. Uh, he, it's in Brno, right? Yeah, okay, so he'll be going to university there studying, but he's also going to be working with Stephen in church planting and evangelism and what have you. So uh, I, I've asked Travis, he has a heart for evangelism. And I've asked him to come and share with us just some things that he's learned through his studies and through the practice of evangelism, things that we need to be aware of uh, as we move forward. Now, how many saw something sitting on your pew when you got here this morning? 
on the pew. Something sitting on the pew. It's right there next to you. There should be three or four. Yes, exactly. The little, the little life uh, brochures. In a minute, he's going to be sharing this with us. We actually, do y'all realize that today is one year ago that, that COVID really kicked in? Last March 22nd, which was a year ago tomorrow, but it was Sunday last year, was the first Sunday that we stopped services. So it's been one year, and guess what? God's still on the throne. <laughs> Things still go on. They go on a little bit differently, but, uh, you know, God is still in control, so that's good. Uh, but anyway, uh, I want Travis to come and just share with us some stuff. We had started looking at this the week before that we got shut down. And so we're, we're going to uh, pick that up again. But I want Travis to come and just share with us what God has laid on his heart. Go ahead, Travis. So uh, for those who don't know, I'm currently in the Global Studies Program with Drew McConnell University. It's a university in uh, Georgia, uh, Cleveland area. If you're familiar with Helen, Georgia, that's nearby there. Uh, so. During my time there at Troop McConnell, uh, I've had the opportunity to learn uh, from uh, Professor Dr. Sanders. And under his leadership, he's uh, through his classes and also through his life, because he's oftentimes going with us on mission outings. Um, he's taught me and my classmates uh, different tactics and different technical sides to evangelism how we can change ordinary conversations to be guided towards the gospel. Um, and that's something I want to share with the church today. Um, so there's two terms I want to start with. Is there's connection points and there's bridges. So a connection point is as you're listening to someone during a conversation, there's going to be words that they may say that could be used to guide the conversation towards the gospel. Uh, an example would be the word corruption. And the word corruption allows us to take them to the Garden of Eden. Um, so, for example, I, at Treat McConnell, there's uh, a missions uh, center that we have there, and we do uh, mission teams. And I was one of the co-leaders for the homeless ministry there. So in Athens, Georgia, we would go down and just meet with homeless there and I would spend time with them. And uh, I began to realize that sometimes we would focus so much on the friendship building that we weren't quite getting to the gospel. So we had to figure out how can we lead our conversations to the gospel because we could have an hour and a half long conversation. Everything's fine. Uh, they appreciate our conversation and we leave. And we didn't quite get to the real meaning of our being there. So uh, I really began to try to implement new strategies to change the conversation uh, to get to the gospel. So I met a man there named Leonard. And during our conversation, he had mentioned, he said, you know, the world is just so corrupt. Humanity, it's so corrupt. People are so evil. So I don't understand how people can be so evil. And the conversation continued on for a bit longer, but then I said, hey, I want to go back to something you had mentioned before. Earlier you said humanity is corrupt. And you're absolutely correct on that. Let me tell you about Adam and Eve. And I went to the Garden of Eden and began to explain to him how God had created the heavens and the earth and he made them good. 
And when he made Adam, he said it was very good. So Adam and Eve, they are the pinnacle of creation. He only calls the creation good or very good when he gets to the creation of Adam and Eve. Yet, Adam and Eve decided to sin against God and ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And this action brought in sin and death. And this is what brought in this corruption that you're referring to. This corruption began with the first sin of Adam and Eve, and that's carried on and, and corrupted all of, of creation. So then we have brokenness. And this brokenness has an answer to be fixed. Um, so I took him to the Gospels and went to the cross and began to explain to him the reasoning for Christ's coming. So uh, we went through well, just the fact that Christ has defeated this sin that Adam and Eve have brought into the world. So that Christ came uh, to provide a way for restoration. What humanity has corrupted, he will restore. And so his death upon the cross, it was a payment for the sins of the world. And I wanted to read to you uh, Colossians 2, uh, starting in verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision in your flesh, God made alive together with, with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So Christ, he came and he has canceled the, the record of debt that we that we hold, we have this, this sin, and he has completely removed it uh, through his death. But beyond that, he has risen from the grave, and he has triumphed over the powers of this world. He has triumphed over death. Sin and death have been defeated by the actions of Christ. And this allows for restoration. And so I, I explained to him that, you know, I... I'm a corrupted being. I'm a sinner. He is a corrupted being. He is a sinner. But we need to turn to Christ in order to have that restoration. And that took him to Revelation because I wanted to show him that Christ is not just going to restore us partially now, but to completely restore all of creation in the second coming. So I explained to him that Christ is going to come back and he's going to establish the new heavens and new earth and he's going to completely restore what humanity had corrupted. And uh, as Pastor Davis mentioned, this the three circles method, and that's basically what it is just there, is starting with God's design and going to brokenness and explaining how we can fix that brokenness. And I don't know what Leonard was doing, but... There are many who try to do many things to fix it, and those, those little lines there you see coming off the side is that's what sin sin really is. It's you're, you're trying to fill in this void. You're trying to fill in what is missing in my life. So we go to all sorts of things to try and figure out fulfillment, um, but the only answer is Christ, and that's where the gospel comes in. And so the answer to filling this brokenness and and restoring what's been broken is the fact that Christ came and, and died upon the cross and then rose again. And then you point them back to God's 
perfect design, what, again, what we had corrupted, God intends and will completely restore. And uh, with that, we need to go out and to share the gospel to those who are in this broken world. So I wanted to read to you as well from Romans 10. Uh, starting in verse 14, Paul writes, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what has... Oh, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So I want to just encourage the church today that it's going to take uh, each of us as individuals, but also to encourage one another to go out and share the gospel. And it can be that we go together as groups or by twos, but most importantly, it's going to be our daily interactions with those around us. That's going to lead people to Christ and to really grow his kingdom. And so I just want to encourage you that it takes the hearing of the word, it takes the gospel being preached in order for people uh, to make a decision to come and follow him. And uh, something else I wanted to mention is Allegiance. Uh, Dr. Sanders in his missiology class had taught about truth and power and allegiance. And it's kind of like the, the steps that we see in coming to, to the knowledge of the truth. So if truth, it's going to be the scriptures. The word of God is true. And um, the truth is what we need to hear in order to have the knowledge to make a decision to follow Christ. And then we see God's power in the, fa the fact that he has risen himself from the dead reveals his power. And then allegiance. And what's important about allegiance is that oftentimes we may share the gospel like this, but sometimes we forget to even encourage the person to make a decision. And a decision must be made. That's, that's the crux of the matter is there's only two paths and a decision must be made. So the Bible says that we are enmity with God prior to salvation. We are enemies to God. We are enemies to his will. We want to do what our will seeks. We want to do what our heart seeks. Um, so we are at rebellion against God's laws. And this allegiance is a surrender to your own will, a surrender to uh, I guess the laws of this world, and you are now pledging allegiance to God. And that's vital, and unfortunately, Leonard, uh, he did not uh, respond well. Uh, he actually became very hostile to the gospel message. But it wasn't a rejection of, of me and my team, but it was a rejection of Christ. He did not uh, pledge his life to Christ in that, in that moment. But I also want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit is with us when we are doing evangelism. The Holy Spirit is with us as we go out and speak. Um, and that same, same day, I had just finished this gospel presentation with Leonard, and 
was waiting for his response, and I mean, it was very hostile. I was like, mm, how do I handle this? <laughs> his words to me were very blunt, <laughs> and uh, so I just began to pray. I said, Holy Spirit, please take control of the situation. I don't know how to respond to this man's response. Uh, I don't know how to de-escalate the, the situation here. And about that time, a hand was placed on my shoulder. And this guy was standing next to me. He says, hey, we're out here too. And I said, well, who are you? And he's like, well, I'm Tanner. I heard you talking about Jesus across the street. I decided to come over here and, and see what it's all about. So this fellow believer who just heard us talking about Jesus, he came across the street and he sat down and began to tell the gospel a second time to Leonard. And uh, he had a similar response to Tanner, but the, I mean, the Holy Spirit still answered that and he provided a way to calm him down and for him to actually hear the gospel a second time. And so we pulled away for a bit, we let him kind of cool down, and we're kind of just talking to the side. But I look over later on, and my friend Seth, who was one of our teammates, he was uh, new to the mission. He had never been to Athens with us before, and he had admitted to me before we got there that he hadn't really shared the gospel very often. And so he was very nervous about it. So I look over, and he's on the ground praying with Leonard. So, as scary as it may be to go out and to evangelize, especially to complete strangers, especially when you get responses that aren't kind, uh, when you are being rejected, uh, or the message of the gospel is being rejected, then it can be very discouraging. But we should never give up, and we should always continue to share the word uh, and to be encouraged by our fellow believers, such as I was with, with Tanner and with Seth, one I did not even know at all, and the other I actually just met that same day. Uh, so the family of God, it's, it's truly amazing how we were all together, uh, working together as, as one unit. Um, and so that's what I wanted to uh, share with you this morning that there are there are ways that we can easily change our conversations to be gospel-centered, to be Christ-centered. Um, it may not always be uh, where you can start with Genesis. Um, a quick example I want to give is I had just gotten back from Drew McConnell uh, this past weekend, and we went to Clarkson. It's a refugee city. And we went to a mosque there. And so we got to listen to the imams uh, give their sermon. They did their, their prayers. And there was a time where we could ask them questions afterwards. And the imam, during his sermon, had mentioned uh, his own parable about you're walking down this path and there's thorns and briars on the path and you need to stop short of the, of the thorns. You need to go around them and don't touch the sins of this world and ma maintain purity. But he moved on from that topic and didn't address what, what happens when you do step on a thorn. Um, so later on, they were showing us the mosque and they were talking about defilement. And they have to go through this cleansing and this washing in order to go back into the prayer room whenever they are defiled. And so it's an outward washing. So I 
I asked a question. I said, okay, so we're talking about this outward cleansing, this, this washing that you do to remove this defilement, but what happens when you are defiled spiritually and inwardly? What, what would you do? And so I reminded him of his own uh, parable with the thorns. I said, what would you do when you step on a thorn? And his response was that, well, you need to repent and we go back to God, um, and you would need to offset your evil. So if you do evil, you need to go do an act of charity, and that charity is going to offset your, your evil deed. But the problem with that is the sin is still there. It, there's no, how they describe it is like a scale, is your, your good needs to outweigh the bad. So, so long as you just pile on some good with the bad, you're, you'll be fine. Um, and even they don't even know if they will make it to their, their version of heaven because they don't know where their scale lies. They won't know in Judgment Day. So no Muslim has any assurance of their own salvation. But with Christ, it is, again, from Colossians, it's a complete removal of that sin. The sin is not there to be counterbalanced. It is completely removed. And that is the... Uh, truth of the gospel, that is what we can have assurance in, and that is what we need to go out and tell others. Um, and so the point of that was, <laughs> it's not always going to be that we start with Genesis and, and do the circle, but it's just a great um, diagram and a great way to change your, gospel, or your conversations to be gospel-centered. Um, so I'd like to go into a time of prayer and, and then invite Dr. Or, Pastor Dave afterwards. Uh, so Lord God, I'm going to come to you now and thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to come and speak to my church and uh, to share with them some things I've learned from uh, my time at Troop McConnell. Um, I just pray, God, that you encourage this church to be bold in share, sharing the gospel, uh, to not fear, to not waver, uh, Lord God, and to give them the word to speak. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will move through us as your Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. You would speak through us uh, when we have these conversations, Lord. So help us to be attuned uh, to um, just ways that we can share the gospel, Lord, and how we can uh, make ordinary conversations uh, gospel-centered. Uh, so I pray um, for this church, Lord God, that uh, we will honor you with all that we do. And I give you praise in your holy and righteous name. Amen. All right, just a couple things real quick here. Uh, Travis talked about his encounter with Leonard, and it, it brings me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but who brings the increase? God brings the increase. Well, here you've got him talking to Leonard. It's pretty hostile. Uh, Tanner comes along right behind him is able to share the gospel. It's a little bit more controlled, but he's still in a hostile, uh, I don't know, take on it. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And the next thing you know, Seth comes along and he's on his knees praying with Leonard. Uh, it's just the way it works. Jesus said that salvation is like uh, the wind. The Holy Spirit's work is like the wind. You see it, you know it's there, but you have no idea where it came from or where it's going. All right, so we're just to be faithful. And that's one thing that I heard you say is that, yes, 
uh, our job is to proclaim the gospel. Uh, Romans uh, 10, uh, 17, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So if they don't hear, how can they believe? If they don't believe, how can they be saved? I'm just going backwards mm-hmm. through that through that that Romans passage. So th- we have these little booklets. This th- these, these are two places you can get it on your phone, whether it's Android or Apple. One is called Life on Mission. The other is called Life Conversation Guide. But this thing is on your phone, and you can have it with you at all times. So that if you get into a conversation and there's that key word, you go, "Ooh." All the key words when we're talking about uh, what what do we call the connection points. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them are different words for sin. People will recognize sin in the world or in other people or whatever. And that's when you can come in and say, whether it's brokenness, corruption, evil, blah, 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 blah. It's very recognizable. So in your conversation, people may say something that use the word that they use and say, well, let me tell you about corruption. Let me tell you why the world looks broken. And you just take over using this. Now, I'm going to be using this three circles as my invitation from now on for a couple of reasons. Number one, it does tell you the truth. (laughs) It tells you what you need to know to come to Jesus. But number two, I want it to become second nature to you. You hear it week in, week out. Take a book. You're in your seats. We've got some more up here. Read through it a couple times till it just becomes a little familiar to you. And when God gives you the opportunity to take a conversation and just... Head towards the gospel, do it. And this will come in very... And if you have this in your back pocket, pull it out and say, well, let me show you here, okay? Or your phone, or do it from memory, whatever suits you best. But it's an opportunity for you to pour in other people's lives. Now, Travis, thank you so much for the words that you've given us and encouragement. And we want to be praying for uh, Travis that, that that visa comes soon. He can finish up... How much more do you have? Do you finish up this semester at True McConnell? Okay, fi- He's got about two more months and he'll be finished with that and then be hopefully have his student visa and be able to head over to Brno and, and do what uh, you know, he thinks God wants him to be doing at this time. We have set up a designated fund. We'll let you know what that is about as well. We need to be praying for Travis, but we've also set up a designated fund if you would like to help him go. He's going totally on, on his own now. Okay, uh, the IMB was providing support. Well, that program is no longer. So he's going on his own. Going to be doing basically the same thing, but now he's got to cover all the costs. So if you would like to help financially, uh, you can go uh, designate to Travis uh, through uh, through First Baptist. We'll make sure that he gets every penny of it. Okay, so just want to let you know about that. You've got the, you guys have heard the gospel about a half a dozen different ways this morning. So if you recognize that yes, you're broken. And the world around you is broken, and you realize that you need Jesus, then I'm going to invite you to come. Okay? Come this morning. We're going to have a song of invitation. If you're a believer, I hope that you're going to take the story of the woman at the well. That's a great, that's a great lifestyle evangelism. Hey, will you give me a drink? And look where it led. Most of her village came to know the Lord because he just started that conversation. Okay, that's lifestyle evangelism. Just as you're about talking, this will help you. This will give you some. Some things that you need along the way to be able to talk, I don't know, intelligently, let's just say, about the gospel. We need to know the gospel first in our heart, second up here. This will help you with the up here to know how to, um, you know, verbalize it good so that people can understand. So anyway, if you're a believer, if you're a believer this morning, I just want to challenge you. Uh, be aware of your conversations, uh, whether it's a supermarket clerk or whatever. Uh, you 
if you if you pay attention, the Holy Spirit will opera, uh, will open the door for you to share the good news with them. And if you'd like to join our church, I just encourage you to to come down at the uh, and during this invitation, we'll fill out a couple cards and get you going with us here at First Baptist. So you guys stand, Travis. Thank you again. And if you got any questions, I'm sure Travis would love to try to answer them for you concerning what he's doing and where he's headed and all that. So thank you, Travis. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.